Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games in the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... This is Dan. You just caught me mid-gulp of tea. Excellent. And was the gulp of tea pleasant? It was. It was a bit of honeyed tea. I don't know if you've tried that concoction. Uh, no, because tea makes me want to be sick out my mouth. Um, All right. Yeah. So I think the last time I had, the last three times I've had tea for about thirty minutes afterwards, I wanted to be sick. Um, and are you a fan of coffee? Yes, I drink quite a lot of coffee. So it isn't the caffeine. I'm not sure what it is, but me and tea, we just don't get on. Um. Which, you know, is a tragedy within itself, but alas, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Yeah, I'm okay. The uh, the rain is coming down in Lancaster, as per usual. Uh, Lovely. What a yes. treat. Yep, standard. For everyone involved. Well, that's and good to hear. How how are to thee? I'm quite well. I'm tired and busy as I always am. Um, which is good. I recently just got a promotion at work, which is good, but just means that I'm busier than I was before, and I was quite a busy bee before. So, what's a boy to do? Yes, yes. but alas, we've uh, we've got quite a good game to talk about today, haven't we? Well, good is subjective, I suppose, to if you like the game or not. But a big game. game, big game, I suppose. Um, but today we're going to be talking about Skyrim. So, for the one person in the world that hasn't heard of Skyrim, let me fill you in. Skyrim was released in November 2011 by Bethesda. It comes in at number 27 on our list and has a meta score of 96%. So, it's it's certainly up there and it's the only other Elder Scrolls game on the list other than Oblivion, uh, which I think comes in a little bit lower. But... I've got quite a lot of um, of fond memories of this game, and this game came out only about a month and a half after you and me met. I remember it coming out when we were in our first year of uni. So, first of all, what's your history with the game? So, um, I think I bought this game before you you did, and you did you you were with me when when I bought it. You got it on release, I think, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So we popped into town, and I bought it, and then it just sat on my shelf for a very long time. Um, I think I started it uh, probably around third year. I started playing it. So about 2014. And yeah. Um, and I was impressed at the time with, obviously it came out quite a bit of time after Oblivion and there was quite a decent graphical leap over Oblivion. Um, so I was in, impressed with the graphics at the time and I, I was impressed with um, the improve in the improvements they made to the combat. Um, but for whatever reason, I don't know, it just never quite grabbed me. So I played it for, um, between five and 10 hours, I'd say. And then I just, I don't know, I just, it just lost me and I never, never really went back to it. Um, I saw you playing it at various points and, uh, messing around on it. That was one of the games that we messed around on quite a bit at uni and, um, you and your follower Lydia, who I also had in this run through. And yes, this was the first time for me returning to the game and first time for me completing the main quest. Um, so quite significant. Um, long time coming. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, over 10 years coming, really. Yeah. So, yeah, your your history and mine is a little bit different. Because I, I think I got my copy of Skyrim maybe a few weeks or a month or two after, after you got it. Because, like we say, you got it on release. Um, important to note that the version that is on the Metacritic list is the Xbox 360 version which was okay. the version that I got. Did you get it on PS3 or did you get it on Xbox yeah, at the time? Yeah, I got it on the PS3. Sure. So I've I've played Skyrim, I've completed it probably at least six times. So I, I've, I've played through this game a lot in the past and I've, I've done, you know, various different playthroughs of it. Uh, I've owned it on the Xbox 360 originally, then I think I got it on the PS3 and then I got the uh, the Ultimate version or the, the Game of the Year version, or whatever it is on the PS4, which comes with all the mods and the stuff. Yeah. And I think it recently got re-released again, didn't it, on the PS5 and Xbox Series X? Yeah, so there's, um, basically there's an enhanced version that was released, and mm, that's the version that was released on PS4, Xbox yeah. One, and Switch. Correct. Um, with varying levels of enhancements and better lighting and so on. Um, yes. Yeah. So Seen as the definitive version of the game. I mean, there's a there's a running meme, isn't there, that, that Skyrim's been released on every system ever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you played it. Um, you didn't play it on the Xbox or PlayStation this time, did you? No, I played it on the Switch this time. I've had it on the Switch since again since probably it was released on the Switch. Um, I've had it. I bought it quite soon after that, and again, it's just sat there. But this was an opportunity to play the Switch version, which I'm glad I did, to be honest. It made it, um, I mean, I played it in a combination of handheld and on the screen. So a bit of variation there and it kind of suited how I wanted to play it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I I played this um, this time around on the Xbox One, uh, well, Xbox Series X. Um, I do have the physical copy of the, the, the enhanced version on the PS4. But I've got it on disc, and I don't think I could be bothered to actually put a disc into my console because that's how lazy I've become. So um, I played the modern the ga- times. yeah modern times. So I played the the Game Pass version on the Xbox Series X, and um, I mean important to note we've mentioned it before, but recently Microsoft purchased Zenimax, which is the the parent company of Bethesda. So. You've looked into this more than me, but I think you can expect to see more Bethesda games coming out primarily for the um, for the Xbox in the future rather than cross-platform with the yeah, PlayStation. I think, um, the majority have been, uh, Skyfield and things like that, um, have been confirmed as being um, Xbox only. So quite a big get for them. It was, I think it was a couple of years now they bought them. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it was a massive deal at the time as well, wasn't it? It was, it was pretty colossal. But and then they bought Activision, and it kind of made the Bethesda announcement minuscule in, compa- in comparison. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. But I mean, to be honest, I've always like I've played Skyrim and Oblivion on the PlayStation as well. But I've always kind of seen the the Elder Scrolls games and the Fallout games as more of an Xbox game. You you know those? I think it's uh, like since Morrowind came out on the, yeah the original, uh, Xbox. original Xbox. Yeah, correct. So, give us a give us a brief rundown of the story in this game. What's the what's the happy hap? Um, so, as with many slash most Bethesda um, Elder Scrolls games, and um, 
to a lesser extent the Fallout games, you start as this kind of unnamed character and you are in a situation and you are sort of a chosen one. Um, and in this case, you're Dragonborn, which means that you can um, communicate and you can learn dragon shouts and uh, you have this kinship with dragons. And basically the story is of this uh, very old dragon called Alduin and Alduin is um, resurrecting the dragons and the fear is that the dragons are going to lay waste to um, Skyrim and your quest is to gather shouts and put a stop to Alduin and that's what you do. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. The, the the main quest of this game is quite it's quite straightforward really, isn't it, compared to the rest of the game because the thing with Elder Scrolls games is they're massive. And there's so much more to do than just the the standard story, which I think is what we found in in Oblivion as well, isn't it? Yeah. So we both played the main the main story for this uh, for this episode. And as I said, I've completed this game quite a few times in the past, and this is your first time getting through to the end of it. So, I mean, what what were your thoughts on the story? What 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 did you walk away thinking? Um, I suppose it's a good time to point out something that I said at the end of the Oblivion episode, which was, as good as these games were, I kind of feel like I'm over them now. And I feel like they've been surpassed in many ways. And whereas with Oblivion, I had a lot of history with it. And I suppose nostalgia played a part. So it's kind of like going back to an old friend in a way, which I presume is probably a bit like what it was like for you going back to Skyrim. Mm. Um, whereas here, I didn't have that. Um, so it was kind of just experiencing it fresh. One of the massive things with Skyrim when it came out that everyone was raving about strangely doesn't seem like such a big deal now which was dragons dragons everywhere flying yeah. around you'd see them in the distance so dragons here are the equivalent of the oblivion gates in um in oblivion and and to be fair they are a big improvement on the oblivion gates in oblivion because they require far less time uh to complete and you're not forced to take down a bunch of well you're not forced in oblivion but there is a there is a quest which benefits you to take down a lot of the oblivion gates in oblivion um whereas here it's kind of just an optional thing um and, and it is cool to see dragons flying on the horizon um i did notice them glitching a couple of times and disappearing but uh yeah it's, it's cool to see them on the horizon but that that was the big selling point and it is cool but obviously it's it's quite a long time since this game came out and i'm not sure that was kind of a big enough leap over Oblivion. Um, so as far as the main story goes, I think it's quite standard fantasy fare. Um, there are dragons, you're fighting the dragons, and there are different factions involved, and eventually you overthrow the dragons. Um, yeah, so it, it didn't blow me away, to be honest. I did prefer... Um, Oblivion's main quest. I thought there were a few more wrinkles and a conspiracy and uh, obviously the death of the Emperor and all very um, much enhanced by Patrick Stewart and Sean Bean. 
And I know that um, Skyrim's got celebrities in there as well. I think it's got um, Liam Neeson in there somewhere. It's also Maybe got the um, the guy that voices Mario. I can never remember his name. Oh, yeah, Charles Martinet. Yeah, Charles Martinet is the dragon Parthenax, which is crazy. Like, when you when you hear him do the voice of Parthenax compared to him being Mario. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a funny uh, voice to come out of his mouth. Yeah. I, I think with this game, I mean, I I agree with you. I think the, the story, like, the main quest of this game is quite mid. Like, at the time when it came out, I thought it was all right. But going back to it now, I don't think the story holds up very well. Maybe it's because I've completed it quite a few times. It has its cool moments. Yeah, absolutely. Like climbing High Hrothgar for the first time. you just got this huge mountain at the centre of the map to scale. And you're climbing up there. That's quite fun. And it does have um, some cool moments. Like you, you take down dragons in some quite in- interesting scenarios. And... It's not to say this game isn't fun, because I think it is fun, but I just think that there have been much better written um, stories in RPGs over the years. So this, to me, doesn't really stand out. Well, I think that that Skyrim stands apart from... I mean, I, I don't really think much of Oblivion. Oblivion was a game that I played a lot of when I was younger, but when we played it again for the podcast, if you remember, I was very meh about it. And I think Skyrim has better side content, in my opinion. And I think See, I, would, I would disagree from from my experience. Yeah, that, and that that's fine because you you you're more drawn to to Oblivion, whereas I'm more drawn to Skyrim. Yeah, and. I don't know how much of the side stuff you did this time. Did you do any of the the guilds or I anything didn't like that? Anything, but I did dabble with a few uh, a few of the the factions. Um, I dabbled with the the Dark Brotherhood and and the Thieves Guild, and I did the odd mission for a couple of others as well. And I started some of the DLC stuff as well. So um, there's a lot of dabbling, which you tend to do in these games because unless you set out to complete a certain quest, you might do things that are in the area. Um, which I tended to do. So I was kind of playing it in a kind of light. I'm just going to see what this game is and what this game's got to offer. Yeah. This is the kind of game where you can kind of just go off and things will happen to you and the adventure finds you, I suppose. And the thing that I like about this game is obviously there's the inclusion of dragons and you've also got the inclusion of things like vampires as well, which I'm pretty sure you had in Oblivion as well, didn't you? Yeah, you could become a vampire in a bit. Yeah. The the thing with this game... Skyrim, haven't you? What was that, sorry? You've got werewolves in Skyrim. As yeah, well, you've you? got werewolves, which I think um, are quite cool. Because I remember you were a werewolf and you, you had a lot of fun with that. In the oh, yeah, yeah. Like, when, when I played it ages ago. like When I went back and played it this time, I didn't bother because it's more hassle than it's worth. Um, but... With, with a lot of the side content, like you said, with the DLC, you've got Dawnguard and you can become either a vampire hunter or a, a vampire lord. And those vampires are vastly different to the vampires that you can become in the in the standard game. And uh, Yeah, I've heard good things about the, the DLC, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, Dawnguard's fantastic. I thought it was really good. And I've, I've played it through twice, once where you become the hunter and once where you become the vampire. And it is a standout DLC. It is really good. I personally think that this game... Uh, it's got a good Dark Brotherhood questline, I think. 
there are some cool missions in that, like where you're set up to kill the Emperor uh, on an assassination mission. I think that the, the Dark Brotherhood's good. This time round, I decided to wipe the Dark Brotherhood out instead of instead of joining them. I also think that the civil war that you've got going on in the background is really good as well with the um, the Empire and the Stormcloaks. Did you did you mess around with any of that at all? Um, I did an odd mission, I think, but um, obviously as part of the main quest, there's a mission where you have to sit and be a part of a treaty. Yeah, mediate. Like kind of. Yeah, so that that they're, they're trying to, um, they want to, what do they call that? I can't think what, they, what it's called, a, a stalemate or something. Um, so basically, that they want peace for the time being, and um, you are, yeah, you're mediating over that. So, yeah, the, you kind of, you get involved with it to an extent, but I know that you can, um, you can side with uh, either side, and you can do various things to either side yeah that's right and i mean there's only one correct side to, to go with and that's the stormcloaks if you go with the M- M- empire then um you just trade it to skyrim really depending ever, on your race uh, have you ever been with the empire when you've played it yeah I've, I've, I've played through the empire once just to say that i'd done it and i i prefer that the stormcloak story to be honest i prefer um i prefer the leader of stormcloaks ulfric stormcloak but I've I've done both. But what what race were you on this playthrough? Um, I was an imperial, just because I was. <laughs> it, it's funny. I said this to you when I started playing. Although I think big improvements have been made over Oblivion because Oblivion's character creation to make a character that didn't look um, like an alien was very difficult. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I think that the characters look more human here, but some of your options are really limited so like for example you pick a you pick um a face and that face will always have a scar on the chin no matter what you do to that face um so i felt like it was a bit limited probably actually more limited than oblivions but don't get me wrong they look a lot better than oblivions so i just went for an imperial yeah that's fair enough i when i play this game i usually go i usually play as a nord um, I've, I've played it a few times where I've played as like a dark elf and a wood elf and I think a lot of it depends on your play style like I've played through this game in the past where I just go as like a stealth archer which realistically is the most OP way that you can play this game because the stealth and the archery in this game is broken like when you get high levels with that the game's so yeah. easy um, but this time around I, I, I played as a Nord and you mentioned um, a moment ago that like with the dragons and stuff glitching out and bugging out it was something that you noticed and it's something that I wanted to bring up as well because Bethesda games, particularly on their their engine that they've used for Fallout, that they've used for the Elder Scrolls, it's an old engine and yeah. granted this game is 11 years old but you look back at Fallout 4 which came out I think in 2015 and that was using the same or, or similar engine. Yeah. And this game's 11 years old and there are still massive bugs in it and massive glitches Huge that have never been patched. And I was going through it this time around on the Xbox and I was, you know, completing quests, getting achievements. But one of the, the quest lines that I did, which is one of my favourite quest lines, which is the Thieves Guild. And the reason that I do the Thieves Guild is because towards the end you get the Nightingale armour, which I think is the coolest looking armour in the game. And you also get the Skeleton Key. And 
I was playing through the game. I got the Nightingale armor. And then there's a glitch in this game still, 11 years on, where you can just lose items out of your inventory. It just disappears. And that happened to some of my Nightingale armor. And I was like, really? Like, still, over 10 years after this game came out, you've still got game-breaking... Especially in an enhanced version where they had the opportunity to go in and... Crazy. I think the reason why some of those glitches still exist is because you correct them, you might introduce 10 other glitches, but well, that's I'm it. sure that the community has uh, sorted most of the glitches. Well, that's that's the that's the good thing about these enhanced editions. Now, if you play this game on PC, then you're miles ahead anyway. You've got all of the, you know, the additions and the, the enhancements that you can get. But on the console versions, when these enhanced versions came out on the PS4 and Xbox One, you had the addition of uh, mods on console. And Xbox was the first company to bring this in but then sony kind of resisted it for a while i don't know why but then eventually xbox has got the most as well and i think sony's got a paired back version and nintendo doesn't have any on there Mm, yeah exactly but in my opinion now after playing this game you know from from when it was released to 2022 the only way to play this game to enjoy it and have a pretty seamless experience is to play it with mods because it, the, the mods will fix so many issues that you have with this game. It will increase, um, you know, the look of this game. It will make it look a lot nicer. It will make it run smoother. And then you've got, like, your cheat mods as well, which make the game a lot more fun. And I got probably about halfway through the game, and I'd lost loads of my armor due to this glitch. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm not asked. I'm just going to mess about with the mods. And... I used one of the the god mods, which takes you into a room which has got every single item in the game, and you can level up all your skills, etc. And there's um, this weapon that you can get called the Test Vorpal Blade, and it's effectively just like a big um, katana, like the ones that the blades use. But the damage on it is massive, so you've just got this huge two two handed blade that will one shot anything. And like as soon as I started using the mods, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Like, I'd forgotten how much fun it is to use mods on this game. I mean, I didn't feel bad because I've completed this game, like I say, like five, six times yeah. before. They're um, there to be played. Say again? They're, they're there to be played, so why not? Yeah, exactly. And it's a shame that that, that wasn't an option for you on the, on the Switch version of the game because I think you would have had a bit of fun with it. Because... I, I want to give some detail on some of the classics uh, glitch wires that I had. Um, so it, within the opening mission, the very first mission, um, there's a part where you climb a tower and the dragon is supposed to breach the tower and, and lay waste to the interior with fire. And um, I know that it was supposed to do that because obviously I've played that section before anyway, but actually I'd restarted a couple of times in this playthrough trying to get the character right. Um, and, and it's really annoying that you have to play from scratch anyway when you want to change your character. Um, so the dragon is supposed to breach into the tower and it just didn't happen. <laughs> so I was trying to trigger the, the, the dragon breaching and I'm pretty sure at that point, I don't know, there might have been an autosave, but um, so I reloaded and it worked, which was fine. Um, and then later on, there's a, a dragon that you trap and you have to speak to the dragon and then you have to remove the trap and then you ride the dragon and that's towards the final boss. And I uh, I release the dragon 
um, went to try and ride it and then all the people in the room started attacking the dragon and I didn't know what was going on because the objectives aren't really clear. I thought, okay, maybe I have to fight it again to then climb on um, aboard the dragon. Um, so, so I kept fighting it. It kept coming back to life after you, after you depleted its health. And yeah, it, it was uh, things like that. that They just shouldn't, shouldn't be there. They're, they're in the main quest. One of them's at the very beginning of the game. And you just think that stuff like that would be ironed out. But looking online, they seem to be quite common issues. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Bethesda. And, Bethesda you know, you, you, you've just got to look at the, the release of Fallout 76 and how little it seemed they cared about that to just kind of think, okay, I'm not actually surprised. And, I mean, granted, I think when... Elder Scrolls 6 does come out, I'll probably get it quite early on because I enjoy these games. But part of me thinks to myself, no, don't get it straight away because guaranteed it'll come out, it'll be a mess, it'll be buggy, it'll be glitchy and it'll need about 100 patches and it probably still won't work properly. And part of me wants to say I'm kind of done with Bethesda because I think they've got a really bad business model these days and they're just not who they were 10, 15 years ago, which is a shame because Bethesda's a really good developer. But like I say, you just got to look at Fallout 76 and the absolute car crash that that was when it was released. I mean, I've not played it, but you just look at all of the the reviews and all of the, the feedback that came out around the time that game came, came out in, I think it was 2017 or 2018, and it's just crazy. D- did you read a lot of that stuff when it first... Released. Oh yeah, it was a mess, wasn't it? Yeah, and, um, it was horrendous. I think Bethesda has a lot riding on Elder Scrolls Six, and mm. also it's been such a long time since Skyrim, and yeah. other games have caught up, and in my opinion, surpassed the uh, Elder Scrolls games. So they've got their work cut out for them to to reclaim um, the crown of these sorts of games. And the thing is, like. Like we say, the, the Fallout games and the, the, the Elder Scrolls games, they run off the same engine. And I personally think that Bethesda were beaten at their own game in, I think it was New 2009, Vegas. when Fallout New Vegas came out, because that was developed by Obsidian. Yes. And I think New Vegas is 10 times better than Fallout 3, 20 times better than Fallout 4. Uh, did you play New Vegas? Yeah, completed New Vegas. Like New Vegas is brilliant, and that's going to be one of the games that I. It is very good. It's it's it's. I definitely have more memories, and that's sometimes how I judge games that I played a while ago. I have more memories of New Vegas than I do of Fallout Three. Mm. The memories I have of Fallout Three are, <laughs> I mean, I completed Fallout Three, but I remember one of the biggest headaches I had was when you're first going to uh, DC, and. <laughs> That it wants you to take this underground path, yeah. And if you try to get there via um, overground routes, you just can't. You cannot get there. I tried for ages because I wasn't. I wasn't really. I don't know if I was trying to bypass the underground route, trying to avoid if, the uh, the ghouls. Yeah, maybe I was, or maybe maybe I just didn't know any better. So I was trying to get there via the overhead route, and it just it will not let you. And and I find that to be. It's supposed to be an open world, yet there are these invisible walls stopping you from getting places. And there's a bit of that in Skyrim, to be fair. Yeah, it's 
is classic Bethesda. And I mean, it'll be interesting to get our thoughts on Fallout New Vegas because that isn't on the list, but that is in my my list of games that we'll we'll get to once we finish the um, the top 100. So I'm looking forward to going back to that. But moving on to gameplay as king, do you, do you think overall that this game is fun? Yeah, I think it's there's there's fun to be had. Um, I don't think it's a riveting time or anything. Uh, it's not a hoot. Sometimes I, I, I said I said it with oblivion. I think sometimes you play these games and and I don't know. I find myself getting a bit bored, and yeah, I don't know what that is. But it it has better combat than oblivion, and it, it the combat feels definitely probably leagues better than oblivion to be honest yeah and i don't know you kind of have to create your own fun don't you Um, yeah definitely and and it was the same with oblivion so you'd set yourself a task of i'm gonna do this i'm gonna rob this i'm gonna do i'm gonna um steal all this i'm gonna kill this person i'm gonna claim their house and steal all their items which i did countless times in oblivion which was a lot of fun um so yeah it it is fun It's, it's fun in the same vein as oblivion um, one thing that I found annoying was um, the weight, uh, the weight limits here. Really, I found frustrating because when you take down a dragon and you pick up, because I, t- I took down bones, quite a few the bones are heavy. Yeah, when you pick up the bones and the scales, they weigh tons. And then you go to a shop, and the shop's only got limited funds, and they can't afford to buy them off you. So you end up spending most of the game towards the upper limit of your weight allowance. And I just thought, that's just not fun. I mean, who thought that would be a good idea? The thing is, with with the with the weight limit, like because the the dragon bones and the scales, they're worth about five hundred gold a piece, aren't they? And yeah. for me, this time round, I knew that I didn't need to purchase anything. Like I never go and buy stuff from the stores um, when I play this game because I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'll either go and join the thieves guild and i'll get some light armor because i don't use heavy armor in these games i'm a light armor user and i'll go and get a weapon and i'll basically as i level up as you level up the loot levels up with you so yeah by the time you're level 12 13 or whatever you're starting to get elven blades and then from there you, you move up to like dwarven and glass um and then like when you get to the the limits of like when you're doing the thieves guild and you get the nightingale armor you get the nightingale blade and if you've got ebony ingots, you can then upgrade that to be more more powerful. So I, I never really had the issue with weight because I was never carrying more than I needed because I wasn't looking to sell stuff. Um, yeah, I get that. So so it, it, it varies from person to person, but... I just think there's a smarter way to do it and other games have done it better. Yeah. I mean, either have an unlimited inventory or, I don't know, just make it less... I'll give you give you a shock because I never had this issue in Oblivion. Um, there are always certain shops that seem to have um, huge amounts they could spend, and they used to rejuvenate that amount every couple of days or every day. So you never seem to run into the issue. Mm. Whereas here, I was just constantly hitting that brick wall. And what what was your favourite move? Um, I, I like with the combat, and you, you you'll probably mention this as well. There's um, there's finisher moves yeah and although the animation is quite clunky by today's standards it's still nice to um to start this cutscene where you're basically doing a finishing move on an enemy especially um, on the dragons one, 
yeah, it's one of the uh, one of the ways that uh, Skyrim improves on the combat in Oblivion, and um, it's it's quite satisfying, and it's uh, so I think that's probably the, the the biggest change in the combat for me. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed doing those. They're quite uh, bone crunching. What fun. what weapon did you use most out of interest? I used a dual wielding axe. Um, but so I was using both hands, a two handed axe. Um, yeah, for the, for the majority. The thing is as well because your weapons level up with you. Yeah. And I couldn't find anything stronger than that axe, so I used it for the, the the majority of the game because I couldn't find any weapon stronger. Fair enough. I mean, for me, um, I was using for, for for the first half of the game before I got that massive two handed game breaking sword. I was using um, one-handed. So as soon as I finished the Thieves Guild stuff, I had the one-handed um, Nightingale blade, and then I'd switch between that and using um, archery, because like I said, archery is a really powerful tool in these games. Yeah. But for me, my favourite move. I agree with you that the, the finisher moves are always quite fun, and particularly if you're doing stealth kills on people and going up behind them and like sl- slitting their necks and stuff. It is very satisfying. But the stuff that I love is using the shouts. So using yeah. um, Dragon Ren. So f- f- I think it's called Dragon Ren. F- Fuzradar. Where you basically shout someone and make them go off flying into the distance. I thought Dragon Ren was the one that... Oh, it brings uh, them down, isn't it? Yeah, it brings them down from the... Unrelenting side. Force, that's what it's called. Yeah. So Unrelenting Force, I, I love using. And... Um, on a previous playthrough, once you get to like level 100 or something, you get challenged by someone called the Ebony Knight. And right. he is like the toughest enemy in the game, I think. And like he's absolutely solid, even with like modded weapons and stuff. He's, he's, he's a tough, tough fight. And you meet him on top of a mountain. And every time that I've played the game and I've gone to see him, I'll just like, I'll just fooze him off a mountain and he'll go absolutely flying. And usually most enemies, it will kill them. But with him, it doesn't, and he comes back up and, and tries to take you out. But I, I love using um, I love using that move, and I love the shouts in this game just in general because they really change up what what you can do and what what's possible, which I think is quite a nice addition. Yeah, they're kind of like an alternative to magic. Mm. Um, Some, but yeah, they're quite powerful. Something else that I wanted to mention as well that I enjoy doing in this game, and it's probably not something that you came across i imagine uh, was the dragon priests did you come across any of them i don't think so so the dragon priests i think there's eight of them overall and they're usually either at the top of a mountain where there's a dragon um situated or they're in the uh the tombs of the um uh what are the the dead nords called dragus yeah dragus um, so the, the dragon priests are effectively old spirits that habit these these masks and you have to kill the dragon priest and when you kill them you get a, a staff uh, which has a magic property to it and you also get a mask and each mask has a different property so one of them for example will let you breathe underwater the other will mean your stamina comes back up 50% faster and once you've collected all of the masks, you can take them to this area of the map where you put the mask on like um, a mannequin head and it takes you into another portal and you get this wooden mask 
which gives you um i can't remember what the what the perk is to it but going after the dragon priest masks i i really enjoy when i play these games it's something that i always might make time to do even though i've done it a million times i think it's a cool little addition that they added in that isn't part of the main story you can miss it if you want but yeah i just wondered if you might have come across that at all but i, I didn't think that you would have no no but yeah the the, the dragon the dragon priests are, are quite cool so We've mentioned the age of this game, so do you want to kind of give give a bit of a a bit of a, a a chat about the look and sound of this game? Because we we've mentioned that on the on the most part it looks better than Oblivion does. Oh yeah, yeah, it does. So I mean, what what, what would you say about the look and particularly the sound and the music of this game? Um, it's an interesting one. Um. I think the one thing that held up with Oblivion was the environments. I thought the characters most of the time look awful. They look like potato sacks. They did. <laughs> um, so I think for the most part Skyrim avoids that. Um, I will say though, I think Oblivion is a much more colourful game than Skyrim. Skyrim is very, very grey. It is. And I think it's reflective of that time in gaming when everything was grey and it was inspired by Game of Thrones and I I, I prefer the, the use of colour in Oblivion I think I prefer the much more colourful setting because to me what I always wanted from the Elder Scrolls games were and, and I kind of reference this in the um, in the Oblivion episode was kind of like a, a game version of Lord of the Rings mm. and to me Lord of the Rings is a lot more colourful than um, what Skyrim presents so definitely in terms of pure polygons and stuff like that, Skyrim is ahead of Oblivion. I prefer the uh, the colours of Oblivion. Characters are much better in Skyrim. Um, as for the soundtrack, I know a lot of people are a big fan of this soundtrack, but I personally prefer the Oblivion soundtrack. Um, but there are a lot of the tracks here are, I suppose, Nordic versions of some of those tracks from Oblivion. And there's some nice stuff in here, um, but I, I used to. I sometimes I would uh, listen while I was working. I'd listen to the Oblivion soundtrack in the background, and sometimes I'd leave you voice messages, and you'd say, "Oh, you listen to the uh, Oblivion soundtrack in the background, are you?" I just think I don't know. I always think about that interior um, Oblivion. I, I, I vaguely that remember that. I mean, yeah, I agree with you on the look. There, there are certain areas of this game. I mean, it's a, it's a very dark grey game. And one of the areas that I think stands out, even though it's probably the darkest area, is... Um, oh, bloody hell. What's it called? Where will the Falmer live? Black, Black Reach? Dark Reach? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking That's about? The, the bit where, you, where you're, you're at. It's got like the underground lake. And yeah. apparently the developers of that particular section kind of went a bit off script and wanted to do something a bit different because that's one thing as well that i i misremembered and we i think we criticized the uh, the dungeons in oblivion and rightly so because they're very cookie cutter and they're very samey and in my mind i thought that skyrim did better than the dungeons in oblivion but actually replaying it i don't think it does not do much better i think again you could level the same critiques of the dungeons here that you could in oblivion but yes that particular dungeon really stood out because it was different well yeah i mean all of the dwarven ruins ruins look exactly the same all of the 
Uh, remind me of their names again, the, the Nords. Draga. Draga, yeah. The, all of the Draga tombs look the same. But with... probably saying that wrong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> with the... Um, we, I can't remember what it's called. Dark Reach or, or Black Reach, I can't remember. But that area, it's a shame because it's so open. It's such a massive, massive environment. But it just feels like there isn't much there. And you've got the, the yeah. farmer that are, you know, skulking around being creeps. And you've got their little like millipede mates, the the Chaurus or the, the Chaurus or whatever they're called. But it felt like it was planned that that area would be a lot bigger, that there'd be a lot more use for it in the game, but there just, there wasn't in the end. Yeah. Which is a shame shame because it's so unique. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice looking area. And actually uh, I ran through that area because I thought, oh, this is big. I thought I'm running out of, uh, well, I, I was running out of potions and my healing wasn't great at that time. So I just ran through. And I mean, that's probably another critique of the game. The fact that you can actually, bypass most enemies and just run to the bosses yeah definitely i mean um the, the, the another thing with like just running past enemies if you've got a um if you've got a companion with you oh yeah just let them do the fighting well the thing is like i i took lydia with me again at the start because obviously she's one of the earliest companions you can get and then i started doing missions for the thieves guild and to be fair i was probably a little bit under leveled but I did one of the first missions for them, which is um, going into the Honey Honeydew Brewery or whatever it's called. And yeah. I tried to sneak in. I got spotted. Then Lydia just went absolutely ballistic, started attacking like four guys who then surrounded her. And then like in five seconds, she was just dead. And I was like, oh, right, good. No more Lydia then. I have to find a new companion now. But... The companion the, AI um, in these games, it's not it's not great, unfortunately. Some of the companions as well. So I um I made the mistake. There's I think it's there's a there's a one of the DLCs you go tomorrow in, don't you? You do. And I I started that and I spent a good chunk. There's there's like a dungeon there that you do and you've got a companion with you and she just uh she kept coming back to life if she she couldn't die basically. And I was really under leveled for that. Like I would have, I would have been taken down in two hits, and I relied on her to just get me through the dungeon, and they're just careful saving because I'd, I'd bitten off more than I could chew. I started this thing, I was halfway through this dungeon, which was quite a substantial dungeon, and um, I thought, well, oh, I'm just gonna get through it, and really relied on her. So yeah, it's it's, it's this strange mixed bag of uh, <laughs> when it comes to the companions. Yeah, and there are some cool companions in there, but you you do end up using them as um, as bait. I love the companions in New Vegas. That's one thing I always remember about them. They're they're really good companions. Mm, yeah, definitely. Bethesda has done some good companions in the past. But that brings us to the question of the week. Now, I, I to be honest, you probably guess what I'm going to ask here because it's it's Skyrim, but we've been told that. Elder Scrolls 6 is on the horizon. I don't think we're going to see it until at least 2024, maybe 2025. Um, but what would you want to see from Elder Scrolls 6? Because we've mentioned that the the whole vibe of the, these games, including the Fallout games, is it's a little bit played out and it's been done better by other 
other games now. So what would you want to see from the Elder Scrolls 6 to make it stand out? Um, I would like to see a better and better designed open world um, where one of the things that irks me about Oblivion and Skyrim is that the cities are treated as separate places to the map. Mm. So there's a load between them. And there's one of the cities where you can get to the mountains above the city. And I tried to jump into the city to see what would happen. And I was met with another invisible wall. And there are games. I mean, one one game, and it's a game on this list. And it's a series that I'm a massive fan of. And I've read all the books um, that we're going to come to, which is the Witcher series. And the Witcher 2 and the Witcher 3 are excellent. And that's a game where you can... You can get on your horse and you can ride into the towns and there's no load scene between and I think we need more organic feeling world less separated by cutscenes one of the other things that's always kind of annoyed me about um, these games is and, and I get it it's, it's limitations due to the tech of the time you can never look out the windows there's always kind of just this, these glazed windows that you can never see out of so you never get a real sense of where you are when you're inside you're just in this kind of space which is cut off again from everything um, so I'd like to see improvements to the open world I'd like to see those um, invisible walls gone and I suppose just uh, I think one of the things that The Witcher does well is that it's a more mature story and it tells interesting stories within and I feel like yeah I just I, just, I, I think Frankly, I think The Witcher's got better writing and, and I think that the writing needs to step up and I think they need to rediscover, for my money, some of the um, quirkiness of Oblivion because that's what sets Oblivion apart. In some ways, Oblivion is a very, very dated game. Um, but I still love like the Grey Prince in the, in the arena where you fight the, the champion and you've done the side quest beforehand and he gets on his knees and you can just take him out and the Dark Brotherhood quest within Oblivion, which could be like a self-standing game. I love that stuff. I, I feel like Bethesda needs to rediscover some of their... their what drove them early on. Um, it needs to be... I think they need to step away from the standard fantasy fair and do something a bit different within the, the fantasy stuff. Um, then there's just functional stuff. I mean, it's just like improving the combat and um, stuff like that. Yeah, um, I mean... You mentioned The Witcher 3 there, and I don't, I mean, you probably have seen because you look at this stuff as well as I do, but it's pretty much been been leaked that The Witcher 4 is going to be a thing. Yes. And I think CDPR have probably got quite a bit to do in terms of getting fans back in their favour after what yeah, happened with Cyberpunk. Yeah, Everyone loved Witcher 3 and then Cyberpunk came out, so they kind of, yeah. It's, it's left a bit of a sour taste in people's mouths because I think with CDPR, they thought The Witcher 3, they were this cool little Polish indie studio that brought out this massive game. And even though CDPR were still a AAA company, it felt like they were a bit more indie and they were a bit more level. But then CDPR, uh, then Cyberpunk came out and... It's left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, and I think people now see CDPR as just the same kind of company as EA or Rockstar 
where they Very were just hungry so. for people's money. So yeah. I think that CD Projekt Red are going to have a bit of a, not an uphill climb because everyone loves The Witcher, but I think they're going to have to prove to their audience that they're still the CDPR that made The Witcher 3. And I reckon, personally, that's why they've gone back to The Witcher. Probably. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And I mean, I don't think it's going to be similar time frames that The Elder Scrolls 6 and Witcher 4 come out because I think, like I said, that we'll see maybe Elder Scrolls in 2024, 25, maybe 26. But for the scale of what they'll be looking to create with Witcher 4, I don't reckon that we're going to be seeing that till towards the end of this decade. Because it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see when they both come out. Because at the moment you've got two games that seem very very far away, and mm. yeah, it's interesting because I'd say that they're the most direct competition for each other. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at how long it took for Cyberpunk to come out. I think that was first announced yeah. in two thousand and twelve, and it eventually came out in twenty twenty. So that was an eight year. But there was a quicker turnaround time between Witcher two and Witcher three. So. Mm. I mean, it all depends on the tech, doesn't it? Because they're using um, Unreal Engine 5 with um, The Witcher 4, so I wonder how that will impact things. Is that the same engine that they used on that um, that Matrix, Matrix demo? Yeah. That was very cool. Yeah, so that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my the, the answer that I have to the question of what do you want to see from the Elder Scrolls 6, similar to you, but my big thing is just, just start a new engine. Just get a new engine and yeah, just start from scratch. The, they need a, a more polished game. Um, yeah, everyone's doing the open world thing now. They, to the point where I'm sick of it. Of, well, well, they kind of did the open world thing before it was cool. I remember, I remember. I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this in the Oblivion episode. Um, I love to analyze games, and sometimes I'll just go away and analyze them. And uh, I, I was thinking near the time that Oblivion came out, and I was thinking of Assassin's Creed, and I was thinking everything that something like Assassin's Creed does well. At the time, I was thinking Oblivion does it better, and Oblivion was really at the forefront of the popularity of the open world games, and a lot of games mimicked Oblivion. Mm. And it it will be interesting to see um, how they approach that, and if they can refresh the open world. Yeah, I think it will be interesting, but it's, it's going to be the case that time will tell, and. You know, if people keep buying Skyrim on all of these, these, um, these systems that they keep. Well, I have bringing... a question for you. Yeah, go um, on. So Skyrim blew the doors open in many ways. Why is Skyrim so popular compared made... to Oblivion? Just, just in general. I mean, Skyrim has become this thing, this kind of thing that everyone knows that has been released on countless consoles and everywhere. And what was it that? Because it obviously did. That's not that's not the argument. But what was it that made it click with people? I I think it's got a lot to do with fantasy, the fantasy genre in general. Because two thousand and eleven, I think it was around about the same time that Game of Thrones was just hitting. I think that's a big part of it. TVs, wasn't it? And there is a crossover there to some extent. But with with Skyrim, it just lends into every fantasy element that you can think of. So if you like occasionally I'll watch Lord of the Rings 
And then after I've watched Lord of the Rings, you'll be like, oh, I really fancy playing Skyrim. Or I'll watch Game of Thrones, and after that, I'll be like, oh, I could play a bit of Skyrim, you know. And I'll play it maybe for a week before I get absolutely sick of it. And because you've got mods and stuff, it can keep it somewhat fresh. And even though this is a it's a buggy game and it, it, it is slightly messy, it's still somewhat solid. And you can really do whatever you want on Skyrim. Like, you can roleplay if you want. And I think that if there was an online element to Skyrim, then it would be even more played than it is now. And you look at... Um, Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls, learn to speak. Elder Scrolls Online, that's got a massive player base, and that came out quite a few years ago now, I think. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people they use these games for, for role play, and you know you've got various mods for Skyrim where you can because a lot of people say that the the intro to the game is the weakest point, where you've got to go through the tutorial, escape Helgen, yeah. it does drag. So there are mods where you can completely skip that and start off a completely new life where you start off as a wealthy person in the city of... Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the city where the Blue Palace is. And you start off as um, a wealthy person or you can start off in a prison. And I think with Skyrim, the possibilities are endless. Like I used to play this when I was a bit younger as a role play. And I'd create a character and I would create a backstory for them. I'd, I'd go along those lines and I think that's what makes the Elder Scrolls games popular it's why you know um, someone that we went to uni with I think I mentioned it in the Oblivion episode um, mutual friend Siobhan she still plays Oblivion and that game came out in 2006 Yeah, I don't get it but you know I'm the person that still plays specific games from 10-15 years ago myself that might not be Oblivion or Skyrim but it's a comfort game I think it's the same as just watching. It's like an old friend, like I said earlier. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's, com- it's comfort food. An old friend, definitely. Yeah. And you know what you're getting with it, and you can always start a new adventure and be like, okay, this time I'm going to play as a mage, or this time I'm going to play as a wood elf, or you know, the the, the possibilities are endless. And I think that's why it survived for so long. Should it have been released on so many consoles? No. And it's why why I say that. If this game was an online game, I think the chances of Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls 6 coming out anytime soon would be even slimmer because Bethesda make money off Elder Scrolls, Scrolls Online and it's the same case for GTA 5 and GTA 6. They've just Rockstar have just released GTA 5 now on PS5 and Xbox One. That's the third console generation it's come out on and the amount of money that they make from online... It's the reason we haven't seen GTA 6 yet, because yeah. they're still making so much money from a game that came out almost 10 years ago. And that's a testament to the game. Like The game's still good, but at the same time, if you're still making money over something where you don't have to do any effort, then why are you going to make a completely new thing, spend millions and millions and millions of dollars when you are still making millions off something that you bought out almost a decade ago, you know? Yeah. Definitely. I it's, think the other thing with with Skyrim over Oblivion is that, I mean, for better or worse, it simplified things. So it's probably a bit more accessible than Oblivion. Yeah. Um, I, I struggled going positive. back to Oblivion. And I couldn't go back to Morrowind now. Yeah, you'll hear positive and negative takes on that. I mean, the, the, the Elder Scrolls Faithful um, 
tend not well, it's it depends you hear different things don't you but a lot of people say that a lot of features were lost in Skyrim but then it opened it up to that wider audience so it's it's a, a blessing and a curse isn't it yeah and you're never going to make the, the fan base happy all the time are you um, no. you, you do one thing it'll make some people happy but other people will be outraged just look at the Star Wars fan community <laughs> you know for, for an example of that but that's my, my rambling answer so to wrap up then do you think Skyrim deserves its place in the list it's at number 27 I'm I'm going to say what I said about Oblivion which is no um, I'm I'm over these games and I think there are better I think they, there are games that do it better if I were to lean anywhere and, and and purely from a writing perspective I think I would choose Oblivion over but then I'm sure many fans of Elder Scrolls would put Morrowind over both of these mm-hmm. so it, it, it all comes down to preference but I would personally I think they need a big polish before these games should be considered for the list um, and I just think they've been outclassed by other games I mean The Witcher 2 is nowhere on this list but uh, to me The Witcher 2 is far better than both Oblivion and Skyrim so yeah I'm going to say no um, but I know that's a controversial answer that's fair enough I think you're right it does come down to preference and I said no at Oblivion because I think that game is aged very poorly but with Skyrim I don't think it's aged as badly it's not perfect and there are a lot of elements to this game that are very well like I said with the bugs the glitches they should have been patched years ago and they haven't been and that that's that's a Bethesda thing that sums Bethesda up but I think that this game does deserve to be here maybe not as high as it is it's at 27 so maybe I'd say in the in the lower the lower 50 but maybe I think it's got its place. I think it's got a better place over Oblivion. It's got a better claim. But I do I do hear what you're saying. And I'm also somewhat over these games. But that being said, I probably, when it does come out, I will get the Elder Scrolls 6 and I'll probably quite enjoy it. Whether or yeah, not it will I get will as too. much... But whether or not I'll get as much mileage out of the Elder Scrolls 6 as I did with Skyrim, probably not. But that's I think that's just due to age. Um because you think about and it'd it, it'd be interesting if Morrowind was on this list as well, just to see. Yeah. If slash how that would change our thoughts. I mean, I I love Morrowind, and that was my first experience of the Elder Scrolls games. I think I've I've played Morrowind, but not not a huge amount. I've got Morrowind, and I've played Morrowind. But it's hard to get into time. now because it is very much a product of its time, Morrowind. But I just think that. When Elder Scrolls 6 comes out, I won't play it as much as I played Skyrim, but I think that's also because by the time... Like, when Skyrim came out, I was... I was 20. When Elder Scrolls 6 comes out, I'll probably be closer to 35. 50. It's a scary thing to say. But I just don't have the amount of time that I used to to put into these massive games anymore, and it's why I'm not a huge fan of open-world games in general these days because there's just yeah. so much and I just don't have the time for it. But my, my answer is yes, I think it does deserve to be on this list, but maybe at a lower lower position, I'd say. So yeah, that's Skyrim. Um, I don't think there's much else to say about it, is there? No, I just... Um, there's, a, there's a game called The Forgotten City. There are some, there are some cool 
games that started as mods as Skyrim. And there's a game came out last year called The Forgotten City, which is set, um, I mean, you could say Roman times, um, but it's got different mythologies in there, and it's a very, very good game. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of good games spawned from the um, Skyrim engine. Um, but it has to be said that that, that game is a lot more polished mm. than, than Skyrim. Yeah. It's something that we don't really ask each other very much, I, I don't think, is... Because we always talk about the games that we play for the podcast, but you and me also play other stuff. Um, I think you more 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 so than me. Oh yeah, I'm always playing. Something You're always else playing something, but just out of it, just out of interest, what are you playing at the moment? Other than you know stuff for the podcast, I am playing um, Tales of Arise, which is uh, which is available on PS5 and Xbox Series X, and also PS4 and Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the latest Tales of game came out last year. Um, I'm near the end of that. Um, it's I've, I've played a lot of the other Tales games, um, especially the more recent ones. I don't think it's as good as those, but um, it's it's still probably a good entry game for anyone that's not played the Tales games. And I'm also playing. Um, I started playing Subnautica. I don't know if you've heard of. Yeah, that. yeah, it's quite scary, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a strange game. Um, I'm just trying to get my head around it and get into it. So yeah, that's quite fun as well. Are you playing anything at the moment? Yeah, I've I've looked at Subnautica, but I think the 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 sea kind of freaks me out. So I think playing a game where you're going to get jump scares in the sea probably isn't for me. Um, I've been playing. I got um, Star Wars, uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga last uh, earlier this week um, when it came out, which I've been quite enjoying. So I used to love the Lego Star Wars games when I was a bit younger, and I've been playing through that. I've only got I've done the prequel trilogy. I've got Return of the Jedi left of the original trilogy and I've done The Force Awakens from the sequel trilogy. I'm quite enjoying it. There's a lot to it. Um, And it's just something for me to mindlessly play. But at the same time, I think I mentioned it to you that we've said a few times that you and me don't really play online games. But I I play a few with with my group of friends from, from home. Uh, Like we play PUBG and stuff like that occasionally. And we've, we've all recently got into Daisy. And oh yes, you told me about this—the zombie yeah, survival thing. It's got a steep learning curve for anyone that hasn't played it, and it does take a while to not, you know, be frustrated with it all the time and just want to quit. But once you know what you're doing and you're a bit more established in the game, it is very fun because it's just a survival game, and you just got to last as long as you can in this zombie apocalypse with this map that's absolutely massive. Uh, with other players and their PvP, it's it's fun. I, I don't know if you'd I don't know if you'd enjoy it. I think you'd be interested by it, but I don't know if it would hold your attention for that long. Um, yeah, but I think it depends I, who you play with. Really likes to have goals in, in mm. games, otherwise I really struggle to be honest. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But that, those are the those are the two games that I've been playing with, with what spare time I've got at the moment. But we have another game that we're going to be playing shortly for our episode next week so what are we going to be covering next week please <laughs> right you might have to correct me here we're playing a civilization game mm. is it two or four i'm guessing it's two i think it's civilization two right and there's another civilization game on the list that we'll be playing later it's probably not four. it might be four but um yeah i think it's civilization two that we're playing either way we're playing a civilization game expecting a civilization game 
Yes, quite. That and that, that should be coming out next Thursday, shouldn't it? Um, yeah, that would come out next Thursday. And then what is it we're playing after that? Uh, so that one is Wind Waker, and I suppose we'll confirm the date of that. Yes. Closer to it. So another Zelda game on the uh, horizon if Civilization 2 doesn't yeah, peak your interest. Yeah, we for a while. So, um, no, the yeah, last one we did was Majora's Mask, wasn't it? Yeah, and that feels like a while ago now. Something. Yeah. So yeah, we've got um, got a good couple of episodes coming up for you. I think we've got a relatively big-ish game after Wind Waker as well, so a lot to keep an eye out for. As usual, if you want to reach out to us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us at the Long and Short Podcast at hotmail.com. Uh, if you listen to us on Spotify, would really appreciate it if you could give us a rate. Uh, that just helps more people find us and um, pushes our content out a bit more to new listeners who might enjoy it. But yeah, that's pretty much everything from us. Anything else from you for today? No, that's it from me. Very good. Well, we will see you next week for Civilization 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 or 6. I'm not sure which it is. A Civilization A game. Civilization game. And yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. So cheerio. See you on the next one.